0: Good morning everybody and welcome once again to the Digital Cathedral. So glad that you're with me from wherever you're watching this morning around the world. It's good to have you together with me today and with other people that are here to get into God's Word, get stretched a little bit, and discover maybe some truth this morning. We're on a wonderful journey and I hope you've been with me. In the other uh, six editions that we've done on this unlimited series, I want to do number seven this morning, and I want to begin over in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. If you have a Bible that's nearby on the coffee table, pick it up. I'm going to use quite a bit of scripture this morning, and we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to keep moving on this unlimited series, but let me just launch on Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, let me just get over there. All right, here we go. Romans 5.17. Now, hang on with me all morning long this morning. Don't cut out on me. Stay till the end because it just gets gooder as we go through this, okay? Romans 5.17 says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, watch this, much more. If you have your Bible, underline the much more because whatever you think the devastation was it came from the, the one man because of his disobedience, it says, much more, those that receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, there's there's a couple of real important words in there that I want you to catch. One, one is uh, reign, reign. Uh, the word reign there is the word basilion, and it means to rule as a king. And it says that we should do that much more than what, Ever Adam brought into us, into the human race to begin with. Whatever you believe that was. If you believe it was <clears throat> a separation in mind, if you know there's a whole lot, there's several theological perspectives on that, but whatever you believe that was, forget it, because it says much more. Those that receive abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness, they shall reign as a king. They shall rule as a king in life by one Jesus Christ. I think we would all have to admit that if if we're gonna reign as a king, it's gonna get us outside of the normal thought patterns and lifestyles that most of us have become accustomed to. We have lived way below our privilege. We've lived way below what our identity is. We've lived way below the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So what that verse is telling me is that if you're not living up to where you would like to live, then you haven't received grace enough. Keep receiving it. Keep drinking it in. And the gift of righteousness, the gift of understanding already that you're right with God. Nothing more you can do. He's not going to love you less, not going to love you more based on your activities. He has already deposited a direct deposit into your life of righteousness, of right standing with Him. All right, now the last two weeks, we talked about six areas that open the door to the sons and daughters to live an unlimited life or as our scripture said this morning, to reign and rule as a king, to reign in life. And that's really what I'm all about. I'm I'm about getting the sons and the daughters of God to a level of maturity to where we actually do uh, rule and reign in life. My job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to bring you to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So to get you there, I gotta get there also. I can't take you someplace that I'm not or I haven't been. So we're all growing in this thing together. But over the last two weeks, we talked about six areas that open the door to an unlimited life. We talked about, number one, unlimited vision. We talked about unlimited knowledge. We talked about unlimited anointing. We talked about unlimited uh, finances. We talked about unlimited travel and we talked about unlimited authority. Now I wanna tag on to number six, unlimited authority, and I'm gonna stretch that out this morning. I'm gonna spend my whole time on talking to you about the unlimited authority that you and I actually possess. I think that number six, the unlimited authority, is the key to the other five. Once Once we tap in, it's a game changer. That's the only way I can express it. I think unlimited authority is a game changer. And once we tap into that unlimited authority, then the other five begin to, to break open. They begin to, to manifest. They begin to be very attainable. But this idea of unlimited authority is foreign to us. Even though Jesus said in Matthew chapter, eight, uh, Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter, verses, uh, what is it, 18 and 19, Jesus made this unbelievable declaration. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. All means there's no, no authority left for any other entity. No other power, no other principality has any authority. Jesus has it all. Then in the 19th verse, he, he hands it to the disciples and he says, Therefore, he said, I want you to go and make disciples, make followers, make devoted um, adherers to everything that I have taught. And he said, I'm going to be with you always. So... When Jesus said all authority has been given to him, that, that wasn't a promise. That wasn't something that he put out there in the future that we're going to have someday. It, was, it wasn't it was a wish. It was an absolute statement of truth. Now, the fact is this. The fact is we we aren't manifesting 100% authority in the way, in the areas that Jesus designed for us. We don't have, we're not manifesting an unlimited authority. That's just, that's just, uh, the honest truth. But the truth, the, the fact is, we're not. But the truth is, we're moving closer all the time. We're getting closer to that. And there is a generation, there is a company of people that are coming forward that are developing in the likeness of the Father Himself as expressed through the prototype Son Jesus that are coming into that place where they're beginning to understand, at least acknowledge that it is our portion, it's our right to have unlimited authority. It's our, it's our inheritance. These things are what he has deposited, what he's given to us, all six of these. Unlimited vision, knowledge, anointing, travel, finances, authority, all those things. They belong to us and if we're not in them, we, we're getting cheated. We are being cheated. And it, it's so foreign to us because we've never been taught, we've never, heard, we've never even heard about these things before. So we're part of a generation that's at least starting to acknowledge, beginning to get an understanding that wait a minute, let's stop the bus here for just a minute we We need to get on board this unlimited train that Jesus designed for us it's it's we we haven't accepted responsibility for it as part of maturity is accepting responsibility and we've palmed it off on God. I hear people say all the time, well, if you believe in a God of love and you then why, why, does, why does God allow all of the things? Why does he allow the injustice and the crime and the human atrocities that are going on in the earth today? Why, why does he allow those things if he really is a father of love? Shouldn't, shouldn't he step in there and stop it? And I think when, when the father hears that, he's going, um, I, don't, I, I don't know why you are allowing these things. Because he has given us the authority. You say, has he really? Let me nail it down for you. If you have your have your Bible, come over with Psalm 115. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation because it nails it down so well. Psalm 115. Watch, watch what David said here. And I think when we put off on the Father, why, why don't you do something? I think he's putting it back on us and saying, I'm I'm at a loss for words as to why you, who are my Father, why don't you guys at least start to verbalize and start to take some action of taking authority that I've given to you and Jesus gave to you. Watch what it says here. Psalm 115, verse 16. It says, the heavens belong to the Lord. Watch. But he has given the earth to humanity. Did did you catch that? Did you catch that? In that in that 16th verse of Psalm 115, the heavens belong to the Lord. He that's that's His place of ruling. But the earth, but the earth He has given to all humanity. He has given the earth to all humanity. Let me let me say that again. He's given the earth to all humanity. I I, I like the, I like the word dominion as a as a word. For, as a kind of a synonym for humanity. And we're going to look at another psalm in just a minute, so don't, don't put your Bible too far. I like the word dominion. Jesus fully exercised dominion that the, la, that the first Adam, but Jesus demonstrated as the last Adam what the first Adam didn't. The first Adam never demonstrated likeness. In Genesis, 120, in Genesis 126, it says that he created us in his image and his likeness the image is an imprint that that's stamped on us right we're spirit beings that's image but the likeness is a development so we we are developing in the likeness jesus was fully developed in the likeness of the father he was the express image of the father so there's there's four areas that i want to look at this morning that i think that we are to express full full authority full dominion let me let me stick with dominion for just a minute dominion, I, I like the word dominion because dominion talks about, it's more of an influence word. I, I, we're not an army. We're not a company of people that are going to take over uh, militarily, but we're influencers. Dominion is a powerful influence, and there's some areas that we are to do that. So let me just, let me tick off four this morning. And again, just like when I talked about unlimited travel, some of you are going to think, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see this. I don't understand how that could happen. I'm not asking you to understand how it happens. All I'm asking you to understand is that it belongs to us and that we're starting to acknowledge it. All right, let's look at, let's look. The first one is this. We should exercise dominion over all of nature, over all of nature. So that's point number one this morning. And again, I want to read from Psalms. And David does such a good good job in some of these. I'm going to go way back to the beginning of Psalms. Psalm 8, Psalm 8. And I think when you see what David said, you can't, you can't read it the other way. We already read in Psalm 115, verse 16, that he has given the earth to humanity, all of humanity. Nobody's left outside of that. Every person has a role of responsibility to the earth that he has given to us. I'm not going to get off into ecology and all that stuff. I'm talking about authority and dominion this morning. All right. David says this in Psalm chapter 8, verse 4. I'm going to read verses 4 to 9. Verse 4 says, "What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them? Yet you have made them human beings. Watch this. You have made them human beings a little lower than God." The word there is Elohim. Now this is this is an, this is a good illustration where translators have injected their own bias in. It was hard for them to to cough up the idea that we were made a little lower than God. So if you have a New King James, uh, some other translations will say, made him a little lower than the angels. That That is such a bad translation. I don't know how they came up with that one. The word is Elohim. He made us just a little lower than Elohim himself. Then he goes on to say, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. Verse six, now listen, You have given them charge of everything you made. You have have given them charge of everything that you have made, putting all things under their authority. That's that's Psalm 8, verse 6. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean's currents. Lord, our Lord, your majestic name, fills the earth i don't think you can read that without having any any doubt i mean there's just no doubt about what he's saying belongs to us that we are to walk in authority he says all of nature when god created us when god created man he did it with the express purpose that we would be his representative in this sphere on terra firma on earth that we would take full responsibility and full authority in his place as his representative. Now, there's something important to understand about the Father. The Father never gives us responsibility, but what he gives us, corresponding authority. You understand? Let me just say that again. The Father never gives us authority, but what he, uh, uh, never gives us responsibility, but what he gives us, authority. If you have responsibility but no authority, I'm telling you what, that's a very frustrating position to be in. Maybe you've had a job where you've worked for a boss that has given you all kinds of responsibility but won't let you make any decisions. That's frustrating. He wants you to take full responsibility. He wants you to make sure everything comes out fine, but he doesn't want to give you any authority to make the decisions to to meet the goal of the responsibility that he's given to you. God doesn't work that way. That's why he says in that, in that eighth Psalm that he has given us authority. In Psalm 115, verse 16, he gives us responsibility. He said, I've given the earth to all humanity. That's responsibility. But then in Psalm 8, we read that he's given us the authority to carry it out. And one of the areas he mentions is nature. That takes in storms, hurricanes, floods, uh, other forces, tornadoes that we look at and we feel like we have absolutely no control over. All of those are to be subdued under the dominion. They're to be harnessed by us. They're to be under our control. Uh, Jesus demonstrated some of that um, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 27. Look at the, verse 23. Come, come over with me to Matthew. Back up to your left just a little bit. And let's look at Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to look, I'm just going to look at a couple illustrations of how Jesus did this. Matthew chapter 23, and let's let me get over here 21, 23, and let's pick it up in verse 23. Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. It's not Matthew 23, it's Matthew chapter 8, and verse 23. And this is Jesus functioning here, and I want you to watch this. It says, Now, when Jesus had got into a boat, the disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves but Jesus was asleep i love this jesus is is asleep in the back of the storm let me just give you a side thought the only storms that you can take authority over or that you have dominion over are the ones you can sleep through if it's keeping you awake tossing and turning then you're not taking dominion all right jesus was asleep now this this baffled the disciples how he could do that so it says in verse 24 uh, in verse 25, but his disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us. We're perishing. That's always that's always our cry. We're looking for this greater power to come deliver us from a lesser power. They, they recognized Jesus had it, that Jesus had the authority, Jesus had the power, but they didn't have it. Now this is this is this is um, pre-cross, so Jesus hadn't spoken Matthew twenty-eight verse eighteen and nineteen yet. So they go to Jesus and they say, "Jesus, save us." So he says, verse twenty-six: "Why are you so fearful? Or you of little faith?" He arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now what's my point? My point is that the pattern son demonstrated this kind of authority that that the psalmist said all of humanity should have because we have the responsibility. He looked out and he said, peace, be still. And immediately there was a stillness and a calmness. So what was Jesus doing here? He was demonstrating. He was was giving a live picture to the disciples how natural law should bend to the dominion and the authority that the sons of God had. Remember what Jesus said, what I do, you'll do also, and even greater than these things that you'll do. So when Jesus was able to walk out to the end of the boat and say, peace, be still, and demonstrate that, what he's saying to us is this is something that I want you to be able to do as well. Jesus walked on water, the fig tree withered at his word, all nature stood at full attention to hear the word uh, from the one that was the perfection of the new creation order, that's what Jesus was. He was the absolute perfection of the new creation order. Now, just before I go any further, I want to I want to just put a couple caveats in here, all right? Because I feel like some of you are saying, man, I can't do this stuff. I understand it. I don't I don't do it either. I don't, I don't, I haven't directed any hurricanes yet away from the Gulf Coast of Florida or from Texas where I live. Just a couple things here. It's not our job to make it happen. Okay? It's not our job to make it happen. Remember, remember Jesus said, it's the Father that's in me. He doeth the works. These things, I understand, can make us feel inferior. They can make us feel a little condemnation, like, what's wrong with me? I, you, you're telling me I should be functioning in this. I'm not functioning in it. I don't see anybody functioning in it. What he says we can do, we can do. And all I'm after right now is a, is a, is a group of people, a generation, that will at least begin to stand up and say that belongs to us and begin to fix their mind on it, begin to, to get a spirit that is directed toward that. And maybe maybe in our generation we won't see this. Maybe this will be something we don't accomplish in our natural lifetime, but we'll pass it to our children and our grandchildren who will carry it further than we do. This is a, this is a progression. This is a journey, my brother and sister. But let me, let me take the, any guilt or any uh, anxiety off of you. <clears throat> it's his plan, it's his work, and it's his timing. That's how the first son lived. He lived under the timing, he lived under the work, and he lived under the, the, the plan of the father. When he said, I only do what I see the father do, I only, hear, I only say what I hear him say, Jesus said, look, it's all on daddy. It's not on me. I can only respond, and that's what I would say to us. We look at these things, and this, we've been given all authority. The earth is our responsibility, but we have to begin to, to move in this and the first step is at least recognizing it. It's coming to a place where you say, okay, I see it. I see what it says, and I believe, I believe that's possible. This whole series on unlimited is to bring you, the digital cathedral, to a place where we look at the unlimited and no longer call it unlimited. We call it possible. All right, so the second area, second point this morning is the beasts of the field. The beasts of the field. We should have authority over the beasts. He told us that when we read the, in Psalms. Until Adam fell or ate the, the the fruit or whatever he did to become separated in his mind, he, he had authority over the animals. He called all of them to him and named them. Have you ever tried to call an alligator to you? You ever tried, how about just a house cat? Y'all saw my cat broke in on one Wednesday night. It was climbing all over the back of the chair. Uh, that cat, I've had dogs and cats, dogs you can train, dogs you can get them to come when you call them, you can whistle, they'll come. A cat, let me tell you something, the most difficult job in the world would be to get a couple of cats to come when you tell them to come so that you can name them a cat. But they came, and the big cats too, uh, they came. So Adam, Adam had a measure of dominion over, over the beasts of the field. That dominion was restored in the Christ, and it went beyond Adam's because Jesus was the full likeness. Adam never developed likeness. He had image, but he never developed likeness. Jesus developed the likeness. Jesus paved the path. The authority that was given to Jesus was distributed to us so that we could enjoy it as a joint heir. Isn't that what Romans eight seventeen says? that we are joint heirs with Jesus. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. So whatever Jesus had belongs to us either. And so Jesus set the bar high sometimes. He set the bar high. Over in John chapter 21, after, after the resurrection, Jesus comes down to the shoreline and the guys are back fishing. I mean, that's how much faith they had. It says they went back to their jobs. When Jesus was crucified, they went back to their jobs. So Jesus resurrects, comes down to the shore, they're out fishing. And he says, hey, guys, have you caught any fish? We need to have some breakfast here. And they say, we have caught nothing. We've caught nothing. Um, he's expecting these fishermen to have dominion over the fish. You ever go fishing and call them? I have. Come here, fishy, fishy, fishy. You got your line in the water, your cane pole, and your bobbers out there. you are calling the fish to you. And that's what Jesus thought these men would do. They would take dominion over the fish because he told them all authority's been given to you, yet they had no fish in the boat. So Jesus says here, now, remember, he's a carpenter. And these guys are professional fishermen. They've done this all their life. They know where the fish are. They know how to fish. So the carpenter tells them, look, drop your nets on the other side. And when they did, Jesus had dominion. He put the fish on the other side and he had more of a catch." Than they could ever than they could ever get and he did he did the same thing much the same thing in Luke chapter 5 verses 4 through 11. <clears throat> it was it was the human Jesus under the direction of the Christ and that's what I'm trying to steer us to this morning. It's, it's the human Don Keithley or the human Billy Bob Smith, whatever your name is that has got to get under the full direction of the Christ. The Christ is the eternal spirit that dwells within us. Christ, the Christ is the anointing. That's what Christ means. Christo, anointing. When I said Jesus, Christ, it's talking about Jesus the anointed one. That's what Christ means. So you and I have the same anointing. First John chapter 2 tells us twice that we have the same anointing and that all things are possible. We can, we can walk in that anointing. So when when the when the sons function outside this sense realm that we're so entrapped in and we begin to move from the Christ within people will begin to be gravitated and will be drawn magnetized to Christ as they were as the disciples were in the gospels that was the pull and and man it doesn't it doesn't take much outside the natural to get people's attention today was was Jesus just helping these guys As fishermen, was he just helping them to get some fish in the boat for breakfast? I don't think so. No, he wasn't. He was demonstrating the authority, the dominion, the dominion that the sons of God in an unlimited realm have over the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea, the forces of nature. We just saw Jesus demonstrate both, over the forces of nature and over the fish of the sea. So those are two areas that we we just got to be aware of. But let me just take the heat off of you again. It's not your job to try to make it happen. Just like you can't heal anybody. If the Father doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. You, you, you are the one through which it works. You and he are one. You're the, you're the branch that's bearing the fruit of the vine. So when the, when the vine pumps the nutrients to the vine to exercise the dominion, it will be exercised. All right, let me, give, let me give you area number three. Now, these last two are a little bit more practical. I, I got the first two out of the way a little quicker because, man, those are tough. When you look at beasts, when you look at nature, those are tough. Now, here's one, here's one that's very workable, I think. Number three, we should have dominion over uh, the kingdoms of the world. Let me put it that way. We should express dominion over the kingdoms of the world, not control, not, not power, but dominion. Control is when you 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 rule uh, actions and behavior of people. That's not that's not how the kingdom expresses itself. We don't control people. We take dominion. Dominion is an influence toward toward a proper decision. You understand what I'm saying? It's influencing. Dominion is influencing people into a change. Maybe I could maybe I could illustrate it like this. Let me just say dominion is from a higher level, right? It's from a higher level. It's from a higher place than control and power. Uh, Dominion will always trump control and power. Do you remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh had the control and the power over the children of Israel. They were slaves and what what Pharaoh said that he had control, he had the power. Moses came and he had dominion. He He had the influence that would direct Pharaoh to eventually make the decision that dominion expressed for him to make. And dominion just kept putting the influence on stronger and stronger and stronger. That's how God works with us. God doesn't control our behavior. God doesn't doesn't, uh, try to express power over you to make you do something or to be something. What he does is he gently influences us. And he keeps turning the knob of love up and of grace until we get it, until we, we see, okay, I see what's going on here, man. This, I'm drawn to this. This is what I desire. This is what I want. And that's, that's what we need to be doing in the kingdoms of this world. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28, <clears throat> he gave us dominion. That was not control. It was about dominion. So the the kingdom of God, again, is not an army that's going to fight a battle with guns and bullets and tanks and airplanes. We're a kingdom that takes dominion. It means every area of of our world, all the kingdoms of this world, we need to influence. We need to influence. We need to be an influence in our culture that will influence people in, an, in, a, in, a, in a new direction. We need to let our culture know that controls people. Our, control, our culture controls people. We, let them, we need to let them know, look, this world's under new management and that new management is coming through cultural influencers. I think there's, there's basically seven. I've read where there's basically seven uh, domains of the kingdoms of this world that are, huge, that are huge controllers that have charge of things right now. There is the kingdom of, let me just name them for you. There's the kingdom of media, there's the kingdom of government, there's the kingdom of education, uh, the economy, family, religion, and entertainment. Those seven things, media, government, education, economy, family, religion, and entertainment. Those are the controls of our culture right now. So what does the father do? The father comes, let me tell you how this works, and you might recognize this in your life. The father comes, and he sprinkles kingdom influencers in all of those seven. Scatters them out. Now look at your job. You may say, well, I work in a factory, or I work in a store, whatever it is. He has sprinkled you there as an influencer. So when you come to the Digital Cathedral on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and we talk about Our position of dominion and we talk about this thing of unlimited and we talk about manifesting as sons of gods and we talk about grace and expressing unlimited love and being the light of the world in a city that's set on a hill. All of those things are to just give us the vision of influencing in that sphere where we live. That's all we do. We just be us. You don't have to try to be something you're not. You just be yourself and you influence so the Father sprinkles uh, influencers in in media, government, education, uh, in family, religion, in entertainment. And when you look at those areas, I mean, I look at the area of sports, athletics, yeah, that, that would be entertainment. How many guys now are, are are vocal Christians? Before the pandemic, they would kneel out in the center of the field after the game, both teams. There was no, you know, there wasn't that, uh, animosity or antagonism toward the other team they pray together there's a lot of people in the entertainment and movie industry i see i see believers just sprinkle it's not the majority but there's a sprinkling in every area and that's exactly what he does now watch, watch what uh, the scripture says look let me uh look at psalm chapter 75 because I, I want you to i want you to feel this morning that you're a part of this that you're a part of being an influencer in the world in which you, in which you live. Psalm chapter 75. But we're looking at a lot of psalms this morning, but that's okay. Psalm, David had a lot of good insight over there. He hung out so much with the Father, just uh, fellowshipping that he picked up on a lot of good things. Look what it says here in Psalm chapter 75, verse 6. Psalm chapter 75. I need one more page. Psalm chapter 75 in verse, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. It says, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Now, what what is he saying here? That means that promotion in your life is not dependent on your boss at work or your company or where, where you live. It has nothing to do with it. That's what he's saying. Exaltation has doesn't come from the east from the east, the west, the north, or the south. Doesn't come from there. Doesn't come from natural means. Watch this, verse seven. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. He puts down one and he exalts another. So what you, what you need to be at your place of employment or in your neighborhood, your sphere of influence, is just a kingdom person, just an influencer for everything you're learning. And, and you got in the back of your mind, man, he's given me unlimited vision. I can, You can sit around the table. Maybe you're in a position that you're a decision maker in a little company, and you sit around the table, and you, you talk back and forth about how you can improve things. He is one that can give you unlimited vision and knowledge into some things that will, will put you at the head of the table. He he can, he can he can exalt you. He's the one that puts one down and brings up another. That person that seems to step on everybody and get their own way all of the time. Listen, their time is coming, but it's not so much them. It's, it's us fitting our kingdom position so that he can exalt us. Don't worry about the guy that seems like he steps on everybody and elbows his way to the front. Forget about that guy. We need to concentrate on who we are and what we possess and the influence we carry, the anointing we carry that will, promote, that will allow him to raise us up. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, it says very simply, says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. That's, that's the only purpose we have in us. This. this is how we exercise our influence. This is how we exercise our dominion. We submit ourselves to God. We submit ourselves under the hand of God, under his covering, under his direction, under his hand, his direction, and he will exalt us in due time. Now, I'm not talking about preachers here. I'm not talking about guys with an ordination certificate on a wall or a seminary degree. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about just regular folks like you and me that are just living in our world, finding themselves like a Joseph think about the influence that Joseph had in his life and he Joseph wasn't an apostle he was an old testament 17-year-old kid that got sold into slavery but he submitted himself under the mighty hand of God and God exalted him to the number 2 position in the nation to where he had charge of the he was the secretary of state of Egypt that's who Joseph was i'm thinking about the three hebrew boys they submitted theirself under the hand of God. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, but a fourth man was in the furnace with them. And as a result, Nebuchadnezzar recognized the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as being the God now of the entire nation. And what did they do? They just influenced. They, 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 they kept their influence through adverse circumstances. How about Daniel and the lion's den? I mean, the list could go on and on and on of people that simply the, the entire there's there's a hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 it talks about a myriad of people and all they did was influence all they did was influence so i i guess the question is are you ready for that are you ready for that that's why we come together so that we can continue to develop the mind of Christ right so that we can pick up clarity in hearing in the spirit because that that's all there's the elements this unlimited thing don't let it buffalo you as we operate out of the mind of Christ, we develop that mind. We're developing likeness to our Father. As we do that, and we get more clarity and hearing in the Spirit all of the time, these, these unlimited things are natural, are natural happenings. Let me say it again. It's not my job to make the unlimited in our possession. It's not my job to make all authority happen. It's not my job to subdue nature and the beasts of the field and influence all the kingdoms of the world. That's his job. But what he wants me to do is to be under his hand. He wants me to understand that he's the one that puts down one, exalts another. I don't have to exalt me. I don't have to try to. I don't have to try to be Benny Hinn. I don't have to try to be. I'm. I'm me. I'm the best me on the planet. You're the best you on the planet. And he will take that and he will use it to exercise dominion. All right. The last one I want to hit. I'm gonna to have to do this quickly. Is dominion over death? Dominion over death. All right, let's let's just let's just look at this a little bit. And all I'm doing this morning again is I'm just saying, hey, let's begin to say, okay, this stuff is possible. This is no longer impossible, it's no longer unlimited. It now is coming into our sphere of dominion. John chapter 10 and verse 17. John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus exercised this. He said, therefore, verse 17, John chapter 10, he said, therefore, my father loves me because I lay my life that I may take it down. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I, I lay it down that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me. They did not murder or kill Jesus. That's a misnomer. He laid his life down. Verse 18, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Now watch. This command I have received from the Father. Jesus wasn't saying, look, this is something I can do. This is is my ability. He's saying, I have the command from the Father. Therefore, I say, nobody takes it from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because he really addresses this in, uh, in that 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians in a number of different ways. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to come down to verse uh, 50, 56 and we're, we're going to read several verses in this chapter. But let's, let me just start over there. It's almost to the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 56. Jesus said that the sting of death is sin the sting of death is sin. What, what creates death is sin. Now, sin is not a behavior. I'm not modifying your behavior this morning. Sin is not a behavior. Sin is a false identity. That's what Adam's sin was. He, he was trying to make himself become something that he already was. He already was image and likeness of God. And so when, uh, when, the, when his head told him, there must be something more I can do to become like God, that's when he separated himself in his mind, right he he began to operate out of an identity that was not him. that's sin sin harmatia, missing the mark. The mark that we miss is not smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer, or going to the movies. The mark we miss is not knowing who we are it's a false identity it's living out of a lower out of a lower image than what we really are. If you are an image and likeness of God, why do you have lesser image of yourself than that so when, when, when we feel that in us, that's what creates the death, and watch, and, this, and the strength of sin is the law, or dualism, all the, the law is is dualism, it tries to say right and wrong, good and evil, it tries to force you into to trying to adhere to that, and that strengthens your false identity because you can't do it and when you can't do it then all of a sudden death comes in or separation sense of separation that's all death is sense of separation god is clear very clear about the fact that death is his enemy there is no death in our daddy there's no death in god and 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 there's really no, no death in you either did you do you understand that did, can can you believe that let, let me read just a little bit from John chapter 11 come over one chapter John chapter 11 verse 25 this, this propels us into that unlimited realm that is not unlimited. It's part of our, it's part of our um, dominion. John chapter 11, verse 25. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now what an oxymoron there. Even though it appears that you've died, you live. Now watch in verse 26, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe in him? Do you live in him? Does he live in you? Do you recognize that? Have you come that far in the digital cathedral that you understand, John 14, 20, has the day come yet for you to understand that Jesus is in the Father and that you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you, John 14, 20. If you have, then he says to you, when you live and believe in him, you will never die. This man ain't never gonna die, I'm sorry. Now, this earth suit may may wear out, but I don't even believe that has to happen. I really don't. And I think he's gonna tell us that as, as we go along. So he tells us, so Jesus is imparting truth here. Again, this isn't a promise. This isn't a, a wish. Jesus in John 11, 25, 26, is telling us the truth, which always supersedes facts. Facts is Fact is, there's a lot of people dying. Truth is, those that live and believe in him will never die. Truth always supersedes facts. Dominion supersedes power and control. Are you with me? Now, sickness is 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 a form of death. So therefore, sickness is also an enemy, and it's our enemy. It pleases the Father to bring sons into absolute dominion over both death and death's little brother or his first cousin called sickness, illness, Because it's an enemy, it's going to be brought under dominion. How are these things going to come under the dominion of us? They're going to come by Jesus in his body or through his body, which which is us. His death and resurrection included us. He died the death for all men. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says that if one died for all, then all died. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You don't, there's no more death for you. You already died your death. After it says appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. You have already died your death and you've already been judged righteous. So your death and judgment has already, already, been, already been taken place in Jesus. Then it says in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, which we died in him, we resurrected with him, we, we're, we uh, are seated with him. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Death and sickness are part of the old things that have to to leave, they have to go. So Jesus establishes this this realm of the unlimited and he tells us, and I'm not gonna take time to read it because my time's running out because I still got quite a bit I wanna say. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that death will be the last enemy to be destroyed. Death is the last one. Sickness and all, all, his, all the little cousins of, of, that create death, they're the last enemies. So we're gonna see other enemies obliterated before we get to that one, but that will be the last one. And he gives us a little little bit of, of uh, introduction to that in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, I wanna read some of those verses, but I just wanna make sure that you understand that the enemies will be under our feet. He's the head, we are the body. As the head goes, so goes the body. If you ever did any wrestling in high school, you know that if you can turn your opponent's head, that his body's gonna follow. The head can't go, the head can't uh, end up over here and the body over here. You you direct the head, you direct the body. The feet are in the body and he has made us the promise that all enemies are coming under his feet, which is in his body. I hope I haven't haven't lost you yet. I wanna read a little bit from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I wanna read from verses 51-51. Down through fifty-seven, and I'll, I'll, I just want I want to plant this with you. Verse fifty-one says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery." All right, so this is a mystery. This is this. He's he's going to tell us something that's not obvious. It's a mystery. He said, "We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed." Now, sleep here has been attributed to, to death, and okay, I I think that might be that's legitimate. But I, you know, there's more than one. layer of truth in scripture I also see that we shall not all sleep means that we're not going to all be spiritually blind or spiritually asleep um, not awakened we're not all going to be unawakened but we're all going to be changed he tells us in verse 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and I think there's, you know, you can make the case, he's talking about dead, dead physically. I think there is a resurrection, but I think dead spiritually also applies very well in this, and I'm not going to back up from that. And the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, a lot, this has been used for the second coming. This has nothing to do with the second coming. The trumpet is, is a sound or a vibration. It's a, it's a call that goes out. So there's a call that goes on. It's a sound. The trumpet is a sound. The dead are going to hear a sound. The dead are going to pick up on a vibrational level. It's going to come from us, these forerunners that are bringing the presence of the Father into the earth. We put out a sound just by our being. We put out a vibrational level just from our presence. Isn't that what Peter did? His presence, his shadow passed over somebody and they got healed. We're putting out a sound. And that sound we're putting out is going to awaken those that are a dead, those that are dead spiritually, those that are still sleeping, those that aren't awakened yet. And they're going to be raised. They're coming awake, and it's going to be—they're going to be incorruptible. And we shall also be changed. Watch verse fifty-three. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. I don't think you're ready for this. And this mortal must put on immortality. That fits right with what Jesus told us. Those that live and believe in me will never die. I'm walking in immortality now. I'm, ne- I'm never going to die. Sorry if you are. I'm not. That's what Jesus said. I'm putting on, on that. That's my choice right there. I'll take that one. Verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to past the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Immortality is is the victory that swallows up death in every form including sickness so he goes in verse 55 and he says death where is your sting grave where is your victory there is none the sting of death is sin i already talked to you about that and the strength of sin is the law he said but we But we thank God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, he's saying in that 57th verse that we get the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something we attain in our own strength, ability, religious discipline, uh, actions, uh, praying around the clock, fasting till we're skin and bone. That doesn't bring it. We thank God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this unlimited realm that we're talking about, this this dimension is his doing in his time, his planning, and in his day. So we just need to be aware of it. We need to be sensitive to it. We need to bring it past the realm of being unlimited to where it now comes into our domain in our influence. This comes through Jesus. And John said in 1 John chapter three, I think it's long about verse two. He said, "Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God." Then he goes on to say, verse three, I think it's 1 John three three. He says, "Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, when we shall be called the sons of, that we are called the sons of God." It has not yet appeared what we shall be. We haven't seen it yet. It hasn't been revealed to us. But we know this that when he is revealed, when he appears, when we see him, this is not talking about second coming, it's talking about revelation. When we get the revelation of him, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. All right now listen to me. Maybe you've missed everything, the whole message. Listen to this. When you look at Jesus, when you look at Jesus, you discover who you are. You come through those Gospels and you look at him, you're discovering yourself. That's what he, he came to show us, the prototype. He came to show us the pattern. It's a bit so foreign, so far from us in our religious background. We haven't even considered this stuff. And like the pattern, we are under an anointing, a continual anointing of fullness. And so the Father's word now becomes our word. When the Father's word becomes our word and we speak it under that anointing, we will receive the same results that Jesus received. The vision of Jesus becomes our vision. All enemies under his feet. Joy flows from us. Dominion flows from us. Love flows from us. That love is a great ocean. We just plunged into it. The Father and his faith that works in us never waver. All things made by the hand of the Father, we read this morning, is under our dominion. I want you to open up to that. I want you to say, okay, I embrace that. I receive that. I accept that. Nothing can resist His word spoken from your mouth under His anointing and His power. Wow. What do we say to all this? We say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Digital Cathedral. We have such a joyous journey. Man, this, this stuff, I, I, could, I could talk about this. I eat this up. I eat this for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. This, this lights my fire. See, it got my candle burning back there. That's what burns in me is this truth to get into the hearts and the lives of God's people. You are a precious possession to him. You're the apple of his eye and we're starting to walk in our identity. We're not, we're not missing the mark anymore. We're missing it less and less, and that realm of full dominion is closer and closer all the time. Start exercising once in a while. I, I, try, I work working on my cat. I say, cat, come here. And the cat just looks at me. But if I rattle some snacks and call the cat, he comes, right? So we're starting to learn, okay, how can we exercise this dominion? God has given us a great life to live, and it's so much fun making this journey with other people that are saying, man, I want all I can get. I'm not gonna stop, I want all I can get. All right, once a night, we'll pick this back up. I just wanna pray for you for just a minute, can I do that? If you're having a hard time in life, if maybe this, uh, this girl, Rona, has come to your family and you wanna move her out, let's just pray this morning that we stay under the shadow of the Almighty and that none of these plagues come near our dwelling. That's the promise we have. That's the dominion we walk in. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just pray power over over the people at the Digital Cathedral, that a dominion would arise within us, that we would see this unlimited realm as no more unlimited, but within our scope of, of reality and within the way that we live and act and move. Father, bless them. Open our eyes this week. Open my eyes this week, and may we see more that we can become more. And as we see Jesus this week, may we discover more about us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. See you Wednesday night. Thank you for loving and supporting the ministry. God bless.